0: With fingers clasped around your throat, a reign of terror begins that you won't see coming. It's the invisible man.
1: Mafia, wake up, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. just wanted to. Did you hear that? I did. I just wanted you to hear a little bit of class coming over here. I've decided to up my game over here. Uh-huh. Be, maybe be a little more philosophical. Oh. As uh, Shakespeare says.
0: Oh. Yeah. You lost it.
1: Let them eat cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh man, welcome back to the Monsters versus Men podcast. This is the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airwaves. This week, as we try to stay alive, we're discussing the invisible man. Uh, with me today, I am pleased to welcome none other than the soiled pile of medical rap himself, Alex.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, I was just gonna call you uh Eric, the overacting screaming woman in a dress. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I'm excited about this one. Allie. This is a little bit different than the first three, you know. Uh, I think there's yes. some big differences here than what we've seen in the first three Universal films. A couple similarities, which we can get into, but definitely some differences. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited to talk about it. But before we start, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> we started our series off with Dracula, um, but I, there was someone that reached out to me, uh, a friend of the podcast, Vin, uh, or Vineet, who wrote an article, a series of articles, actually, about 23 vampire projects that are in production right now. God, um, that's a lot of vampire projects. Uh, and so I was wondering, just looking at the very first seven, and if, if you could, Alex, let's leave this link to Vin's uh, article in the show notes. Yeah, that's um, a good idea. So, th- so that everybody can access this. Uh, we'll leave Vin's article, uh, in all three of them, all three parts in, in the show notes so that you can access these. But if you take a look at some of these upcoming uh, vampire movies, I'm curious which ones stand out to you. Just just some of the first couple um, that are listed are David Verbeek's Dead and Beautiful coming out. Should be coming out really soon. Uh, it was supposed to come out this past year. But this is described as an anti-capitalist parable about a group of Beijing super rich kids who turn into vampires after a wild night of partying.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. All
0: right. Uh yeah, and the trailer for that one, take a look at that. That definitely looks different for sure. Uh okay. we've got Blaine Thurier's Kicking Blood. Kicking Blood, an upcoming horror comedy about a vampire girl who is inspired to quit her blood addiction after falling in love with a recovering alcoholic.
1: Interesting. Mm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we've got Daniel Espinoza's Morbius. Alex, um which you know about,
1: I'm sure. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes,
0: I do. <laughs> uh that one needs no further uh explanation, though it was just pushback, right?
1: Yeah, I just got pushed back to April, I believe. Hmm. Last minute pushback.
0: Last minute pushback? You got it, you got you have your theories, Alex?
1: I do have my theories.
0: Mm. Mm. Spider-Man theories.
1: That, that's entirely it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty mm-hmm. much it. I'll go ahead and say it now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my if I had if I was a betting man, a lot of people think it might be because of COVID. I don't think that that's the case. Um, yeah. I actually think that they knew that the Far From Home was, or uh, No Way Home was going to be successful. I don't th- think they thought it was going to be this successful, and so that now that it is, I think that they are trying to do some last minute things to. Uh, maybe include Spider Man or lead to the inclusion of Spider Man mm. a bit more
0: than
1: yeah. they initially were intending to.
0: I think that's I think that's viable, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's very possible. Of the, f- the first three of uh, vampire movies that I've mentioned here, though, Alex, I've got to say yeah. that one I'm looking forward to least. Re- <laughs> I I don't know. I I don't have high hopes for it. Um the the trailer has just not intrigued me. I've seen what, it a couple times. Oh, for Mor- yeah. for Morbius? Yeah. The yeah. newer
1: trailer is much better than the first one, but I don't think it'll sell you either way, honestly.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm just I'm not sold yet. But another one that sounds even more interesting, Alex, is from the team behind John Wick. Ooh. Day Shift is an action comedy following a boring dad who is secretly an international vampire hunter. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Jamie Foxx leading a wide ranging cast, Alex, that even includes Snoop Dogg. Okay. Definitely (laughs) down.
1: Definitely
0: down. Yeah, that one might be fun. Uh, And one more here. One more here. This is another comedy horror called Slayers. K. Asher Levin's Slayers, set for a release this year. Slayers is a comedy horror in the vein of From Dusk Till Dawn and Shot of the Dead, starring an angry father, Thomas Jane, hunting down the vampire who murdered his daughter. Interesting. I'm down for that. That first sentence doesn't sound like a comedy horror, right? Um, But but the
1: funny thing, like Zombieland, everyone lost all their loved ones, like their entire families. And so I agree with it doesn't sound like it, but it's very easy. Same
0: thing with Love and Monsters, right?
1: I'm not even going to indulge. this. we've already got you and me both on our <laughs> Q and a Since this is a hot topic, we're going to leave it there to keep this this show on the road.
0: <laughs> no, but I was seriously though. I mean, it's it brings in those comedy elements despite oh, the yeah. fact that it's, it has a backdrop of
1: oh yeah yeah yeah
0: families being killed.
1: Mm-hmm. hmm Very true. Yeah, I mean, it's the apocalypse, right?
0: It is. It is. Okay. All right, and I will leave it there. But we need to include this link cuz these some of these look awesome and some of these I definitely want to cover in our show now that we're kind of opening the doors to all sorts of monsters these are these are some movies that we definitely will have to cover Alex
1: Oh boy wow the remaking salem's lot Yep <laughs> Uh but James Wan that's like a it's a toss up It's a toss up
0: Yeah Yeah So
1: okay.
0: Uh on Alex there are we covered like 5 of these there are 17 more or something crazy like that on uh in these three articles i want to talk about these more in mvm plus today so we'll do that on mvm plus we'll kind of look at some of these decide which ones we're the most excited for um there's some big ones in this list that we haven't talked about yet um so we'll talk about them over on mvm plus at patreon.com forward slash Pod. but i say we get into the invisible man
1: yeah, I agree. One we didn't even cover, though, Eric. I can't believe it—the new Renfield movie. But I don't know if that's coming out twenty twenty two, so that's probably why.
0: No, it's on. It's on the list. It's on the list. We just didn't get to it yet. So uh, we'll talk about that over on MVM Plus.
1: Yeah, I agree. Let's. Uh, we'll, we'll cover that maybe a little bit more.
0: I say we get into the Invisible Man, though.
1: Uh, let's <laughs> do it or not do it. Maybe you won't be able to tell.
0: Yeah, you might not even be able to see us. <laughs> that was the absolute worst
1: that was awful that, that was, was awful. so bad should we just go ahead and hang it out should we, should yeah. we just be that end?
0: that was so bad like there was no joke there <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was bad that's all right let's <sighs> move on we'll, we'll just pretend it never happened
0: all right, well, <laughs> all three of our first Universal Monster films have centered around big performances from their leads Bella Lugosi as Dracula and Boris Karloff as Frankenstein's Monster and Imhotep. So, what do you make of Claude Rains as Dr. Jack Griffith? Although we only see him for just a few minutes, uh, well, we only see his face for a A minute. Does Rain's performance stand out as a high point in the film? Or could this role have been played by anyone? What do you think, Alex?
1: Mm, 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 mm. So, (sighs) Eric, I have to say, Mr. Rain here definitely deserves to be praised for his performance. Uh, I I think, you know, with a few minor exceptions, um, and I do mean minor, he does a fantastic job. I mean, as far as I can tell, a lot of this is just voice acting uh, and really good voice acting for the most part. But I, I'm just really impressed with the overall performance and the performance for the character physically and vocally are standouts. You know, mm-hmm. it, he, he is an imposing figure when he's not leaning into some of the weird slapstick stuff. I'll maybe talk about it a little bit later. Um, but honestly, this is probably my favorite performance yet. Um, even if it's not quite for whatever reason as legendary as the other three that we've already seen. Uh, And I would imagine that it's probably maybe the physical appearance, you know, he he doesn't really have, he's not a monster. He's just a guy in bandages. Um, Yeah. And so maybe that's it. Um, But what's cool about this movie is that like, unlike the other universal monster movies we've seen so far, I feel like this is the main character of the film. Uh and I don't think that's really a disagreeable thing to say either, especially mm. compared to the other ones.
0: No, it's it's definitely true. Uh the Invisible Man, Griffin here, is our main character. Uh fun fact, Alex, Claude mm. Rains was born exactly ninety nine years before me. So that probably explains why he gives such a great performance here, despite yeah. not being able to see his face, you know? Uh, That's it. When you share a birthday with me, it just probably elevates that performance just a notch. Even
1: in retrospect.
0: Even in retrospect. (laughs) (laughs) But in all reality, though, it's not just the voice, which is menacing and cruel when it needs to be, but it can also be slightly hesitant and reserved. For example, when Mm -hmm. he's speaking with Flora. It's also the movements um, when covered that are especially important. Even though uh, I've read, Alex, that he wasn't always the person in the get-up, which I found interesting uh, because I thought whoever was in the get-up, whether it was him or somebody else, did a fantastic job of just making that physical presence known. Um, mm-hmm. And he made this an interesting character, I think, starting with the opening moments out in the snow and making his way in to the inn and iping. That was a lot of ends.
1: There is a lot of him.
0: (laughs) Though his behavior is despicable, I think Claude Rains finds a way to make the character cool. Even though I wouldn't call this a sympathetic character, the Invisible Man's design seems also to be a clear inspiration for a bunch of modern characters that Mm -hmm. we see. Uh, I think of Rorschach immediately from Watchmen, um, who seems very inspired and is in his own way. His own version of the invisible man. His attitude, though, seems to be drawn from a character like Raskolnikov in Crime and Punishment, um, who just has this sense of superiority uh, that he uses to justify his despicable actions and to justify ultimately murder. And it's that narcissism that is his downfall.
1: Yeah, it is that narcissism. His ego and his just has these crazy, unrealistic expectations of the world around him. Mm-hmm. And it really just illustrates how far gone he is. I almost wish we had gotten a moment where we got to see what he used to be like just to see how much that this formula did damage him. That'd or was he always yeah. maybe a little like this we didn't realize it? But I, it, I mean, the film pretty heavily implies it's because of what he, the serum that he took. Now, mm-hmm. what's strange is that it seemed like he seems to be actually a pretty reasonable guy despite his like disfigurement, um, at the beginning of the film. And even throughout the film at times, he seems really reasonable. And then very quickly at the slightest inconvenience, he turns into a completely different character. Mm. And I could see the inspiration of this character spreading into other media. You know, Eric, you talked about, um, especially his looks, but I could see the Joker from bat from the Batman comics, Uh, Mm -hmm. being very inspired by this character, you know, flicking the switch. He's, he's completely different. He's a little zany, uh, at times and definitely always unhinged. Mm -hmm. Um, now another thing I think about this character is the result of his appearance in the world. Um, everyone has to think differently because of this new, uh, factor that's entered their space like the police in particular become very creative yeah i love seeing their solutions um that they had to employ to you know make sure that a room was clear they had to get a net and walk from yeah. side to side <laughs> they had to go around a house holding it everyone holding hands around the house i just love seeing all these workarounds that were really creative, especially when they uh, put the dirt along the wall and all that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. the, you know, they're, they're really adapting to this new threat in ways that I really enjoyed seeing. Um, and then I also, what was even better than that was seeing how the madman kind of outsmarted them and showed that some of their ideas really weren't as good as they thought they were. Um, and I just, I, I really liked these elements of the film. What what, what were you thinking about all this?
0: Oh, I I do like your comparison to Joker. Um, It just, again, makes me think about this idea that, you know, sometimes in our society, when someone is made to feel invisible, they lash out to become visible, in a sense, right? Uh, But that lashing out comes from a place still, as I said, of narcissism, where you feel like you deserve to be noticed, even mm-hmm. when you aren't noticed, right? Uh, so it's all narcissism. And I think we see those roots in this sort of character and in someone like the Joker, for example. Yeah. Um, but yeah, part of what I really like about this film is the tone. But another thing that I have troubles with is the tone. <laughs> I mean, part of the magic, and it's the same in the well-sourced material, I believe, is the humor. Uh, I mean, there's several moments where you couldn't help but at least smile at the events taking place on the screen and the absurdity of it all. And to me, this is heightened by performances of the side characters, including those like E.E. E. Clive as Constable Jeffers, who yeah. was just absolutely <laughs> hilarious. These performances brought a lighter tone to the more serious elements. So on the one hand, I think this is the funniest of the films that we've seen so far. Mm -hmm. And will probably pave the way for humor we will find later in the series. But on the other hand, this is the darkest film we have seen so far. I mean, we get Dr. Kemp being killed in a pretty horrifying way as he plunges to his death. Yeah. And what an effect, by the way, for 1933. Wow. Like, that was brutal. quite a sequence and, and quite brutal, and, and just it wasn't just in what happened, right? Mm-hmm. It was in the entire build up to what happened. The fact that Invisible Man had been with him the entire way and was just sitting there in the car—so great. Um, mm-hmm. It's just dark and menacing that whole sequence. My issue with the tone, though, I think it comes in some of the scientific explanations. With Which are, to be fair, both here and in the source material, as they attempt to explain the invisible man's invisibility. I just wonder if we really need an explanation. I can see a justification for it if you think it bridges the gap between the absurd and the serious, maybe. But at this point, in our day and age, the explanation feels a bit dated. And that removes me from both the funny and the horror of this experience. Uh, what would you think about that?
1: Yeah, I didn't really have a, I didn't really have a problem uh, with it, uh, just because I always knew the Invisible Man's origin was mm-hmm. from testing, mm-hmm. so I just kind of assumed mm-hmm. uh, that that would be part of it. Now I didn't quite know how the original handled it. I know how the new twenty twenty one handles it, and I know that 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 or twenty yeah twenty twenty, yeah. uh, I know how that handles it, and I knew that that was a spin on what I've seen because I've seen different iterations of Invisible Man. It's usually an experiment, usually an experiment that goes wrong. Um, And it sounds like that he was actually going for this. Just he didn't quite know all the data, which one character conveniently knew. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I could see that maybe being a problem for me. I expected it. So it wasn't really an issue. Um, I don't think we needed, I think more interesting. I think it would have been more interesting if... He had gone mad from kind of like you were saying, you know, not being seen, uh, mm-hmm. or you know, was drunk with power. Yeah, uh, because he's given so much freedom. I think that that could have been more interesting than the chemicals being the thing that drove him mad. But maybe that, that
0: maybe were- that's my issue. Right, I'm like, I don't know if we need that because we don't need this explanation for why he's gone mad. Like, it's more interesting if we just can make our own sort of. Uh, conclusions about why he's gone mad. Because there could hmm. be several reasons for it. Um, because while it may seem great at first, there's some real issues to being an invisible man all the time. <laughs> and it doesn't yeah. really go there, right? Uh, right? Because of these sorts of explanations.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, and I'm I, I'm with you about, you know, I mean, really, pretty much everything you, you said there for the most part. I mean... And this brings to what I mentioned earlier about the performance being almost perfect on his end. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some weird attempts at slapstick moments that really just don't work with the tone of the movie. I think, I actually think some of the characters that are funnier, uh, like the, the constable, I think you said he was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought he was actually humorous. I think he was actually kind of appropriate in the movie in a way. But then we get that grating, awful, like... I never want to see this actress ever again performance where all she does is scream. You're going to see her again, Alex. I don't ever want to see her again. (laughs) Um, I I had nightmares last night about it and the night before. It's all I can think about.
0: (laughs) You're going to see her again. Just let you know.
1: (laughs) uh, I hope her acting is better next time. And there, it seemed like they were going for comedy in those moments, but they, they, if they were, it was a complete failure on their end. Hmm. um i just couldn't stand it but i'll move on from that but um the good thing about that stuff that i didn't like is that for the most part i completely forgot about it by the time the movie ended because it was so front-loaded uh and the rest of the film was so interesting like really it's just the first act that has i have problems with which is the kind of the opposite of the other films we've watched so far for golly so far for the series like holy cow eric can you believe it we actually got an ending
0: (laughs) we did we did get an ending what's interesting about your assessment though alex is that i actually think the first act of the film was the best uh Uh. like we've seen before i i I do enjoy the lighter elements i think they work rather well i'm a fan of the slapstick um and I, i i'm not a hater on the the una performance um Una O'Connor is her name. I'm not. I'm not a hater on her. Uh, mm. I think she is over the top, but I think that's exactly what they were going for um, in those moments. Like the moment when she's screaming, and you can hear her in the background, it's grating. It's annoying, but it's annoying and grating on purpose. You're not meant to like her. Uh, you're meant to be a little bit annoyed with her, just as Griffin is annoyed with her. But. Mm. I'm even more impressed beyond the slapstick. I'm even more impressed by the effects team that pulled off some of these stunts. Impe- apparently, instead of a green screen, they used a black velvet suit and black velvet background and used a, co- used a complex process to combine various shots together to create that invisibility effect. And, and I am with you uh, with the end, Alex. I like the buildup and I like the conclusion. The final shot of the film is pretty great as well when you consider the implications
1: yes yeah I'm glad you like the ending
0: yeah for sure
1: I thought uh, I thought maybe you would have gotten used to uh rushed endings that just end in the middle of like what feels <laughs> like a scene
0: <laughs> so I wouldn't have liked this ending because I'm just used to the That's rushed right. endings of the last you've ju-
1: you, you just adapted
0: I've, I've adapted <laughs> I've, I've I've watched three movies now that have had yeah. rushed endings and you've
1: changed like like when you see color in movies now you're like what is this crap? <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, well, hey, for our rotating segment today, Alex, I want to get into a couple pieces of listener feedback. Um, we've gotten some listener feedback in from some of our earlier episodes, uh, specifically the Dracula episode of our series. And I wanted to touch on on some of these comments. First off, I just wanted to read Terry, a uh, loyal listener, patron. I wanted to read his letterbox review. It's pretty short of Dracula. And I, I want to see... How much you agree with this review, Alex? You okay. gave it four stars. He says, okay. "I really enjoyed this for the most part. The first half, in particular, was really strong. It got a bit slow for me once Dracula makes it to England, though. I was a bit confused on some of the p- plot points as well. However, the acting is phenomenal, and wow, the sets are great. There are so many great visuals in this. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's- I think. I mean, I think he's right. You know, we we only have one bad set, and all the sets we have." Um, <laughs> that one with the wall oh, in yeah. particular is the one I th- <laughs> I can never like unsee. It's just so funny, you know. It, it, it kind of kills it with the rest of it. Yeah. Um, and he's right. You know, a lot of the characters are great, and, and you and me, we think the same thing about that first half, or at least the first third of the movie, is very interesting.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I think his his review was. Exactly our thoughts, Alex. It was like, yeah. yep, that was a good summary of what we said <laughs> on our episode. Uh, so yeah, Terry, we're we're right there with you. Uh, our friend Michael Hamilton, Alex, uh, mm-hmm. you're gonna appreciate me pointing out your mistake again. Uh, no, <laughs> he wanted to make sure that we told everybody that it is Bella Lugosi, Alex, and not no. Bella Lugosi. Uh <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which if you didn't see it either, uh, Michael threw together a pretty fantastic Photoshop of Bella Ligusi, uh <laughs> that we put up on our Twitter account, uh, which was fantastic. It's
1: going to be hard for me not to say Lugosi because I picture that whenever I get Ray say his name now.
0: Oh, and well, so it's you like, keep on saying I it, kinda, Alex, yeah. and I I think we'll be a okay with it. It'll be the Hasai era. The Heisei. Yeah. it's the, Wait, which one is it again? Heisei. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, we got a couple other comments here, Alex. Uh, this one is from I Write Monsters. They said, I laughed when you mentioned Van Helsing staying in the basement for no reason. He had a reason, dot, 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 oh. in Dracula's cut, and now lost original theatrical ending. Oh. it Originally, yeah, it originally ended... With Van Helsing turning to the viewer, saying if they wonder on their way home tonight whether vampires are real and that there are such things as vampires. Well, apparently, according to I Write Monsters, religious groups flipped their lid at that ending. (laughs) Uh, So Universal uh, uh, trimmed that uh, uh, bit of the ending and no one has seen it since.
1: Wow. (laughs) Interesting. That would have been better. Yeah, yeah, breaking
0: better. breaking the fourth wall a little bit there. Um,
1: doesn't it start with an announcement? by at the very beginning. Yeah, so I would does. have been okay. You know, that's fine. I would it have been would have, much more happy with that, even though it's nonsense in the context of the actual film.
0: It would have been nonsense, but like I do like it how it would have bookended it. You know, um, it would have kind of played with it's a slight meta narrative in a sense, right? Yeah, um, that would have been interesting for sure. And then uh, friend, another friend of the show, Chris Deggle, who I love uh, hearing his thoughts about things. He says he just listened to the great Dracula episode of MVM pod. Just a little recommendation. If you want more Dracula, there's a Spanish version that was shot simultaneously with a different cast. The ending and moments like Renfield crawling to the maid make more sense in this version.
1: That, That's nuts.
0: Yeah, it is nuts. Uh, Now, I did know this. I knew that the Spanish version existed, and some people will tell you right now that the Spanish version is hands down the better film, despite the fact that Bela Lugosi's performance is the better one. uh, The Spanish version is actually the better film. Um, So that may be something that we want to watch, Alex, at some point, because I would like to see (laughs) the ending uh, being a bit better and I would like to see the implications and the reasons for moments like Renfield crawling uh, to the maid explained uh, mm. it is longer so of course with the longer run time you can probably fit more of that in uh, but I, I'm definitely interested to watch the Spanish version
1: yeah me too was, yeah. Uh, mm, I'm going to to find that and watch it because yeah. that Renfield thing is nuts and you know we we did have one more piece of um feedback in terms of our stuff i know ken Bachelman asked when we're going to return the old rating system
0: (laughs) you know uh alex (laughs) the reality of that and it's it's something my brother said to me he said well it's for the best because we we all know that alex can't figure out the number system (laughs) and that's just true
1: I know it. I just convert it in my head automatically, and I can't help it. I don't know why I convert it to ten. I just do. I can't help it.
0: Uh, it happens. It happens.
1: All right, but when... <laughs> that's not why we we did it.
0: That's not uh, why we did it. let's. Uh, uh. I didn't tell you this, Alex, but <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm trying to make things easy on you over here. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. <laughs> hey, one thing that is easy for both of us is coming up with some awards. So let's get into our awards, Alex. Compelling character award, who'd you have?
1: I believe the care the it it was the chief detective played by Dudley Diggs. I believe he was the one that they didn't name a lot of the characters. Uh Um so I was like, I think this is him. Dudley Diggs, he's the one that comes up with the plan to like lure uh the invisible man with his uh partner in crime well, not really his partner in crime, but he thinks he is, Arthur mm. Kemp. Mm-hmm. He wants to lure him in with that. It, it, honestly, he comes up with some really pretty decent ideas. Uh, just none of them really quite work out when you're dealing with an unknown quantity like the Invisible Man. I just He's so creative that I kind of give him a little props. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Dudley, and you're a whole bunch of policemen holding hands around the building.
0: Yeah, the one that actually kind of was impressive to me was the net one in the room. Uh, yes. I don't know why, but that one just surprised me because at first I'm like, what are you guys doing? Right. <laughs> because he didn't explain it either until after they were done, uh, you know, for the for the viewer. And so yes. then after they did it, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: uh, you didn't pick up on that till they were done. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad we adjusted the rating system for me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, I understood generally speaking, but um, I'm like, I couldn't see the room in full. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, so tell me. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, Alex. Okay. Compelling character award. I had to give it to Dr. Kemp. Dr. Kemp, poor <laughs> tortured soul. Um <laughs> Wanted to help, honestly, I think wanted to help Griffin and ultimately becomes Griffin's greatest victim. Um, He gives a great performance, first of all, uh, one that is genuinely frightened of this invisible man and one that's driven to uh, reach out to anybody that could potentially help. I feel bad for him um, because of the position that he's put in, and so... Beyond the Invisible Man, if I had to choose someone beyond him, my compelling character would be Dr. Kemp.
1: Mm, he also tried to swoop in on his girlfriend.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he did. He did.
1: True. <laughs> uh, what was your most memorable line award?
0: So this is uh, the Invisible Man to Flora um, in his one of his little speeches to her. He says, even the moon's frightened of me, frightened to death. The whole world's frightened to death. I like this because I do think it touches upon kind of this idea of him being uh, him being a symbol of that which is unknown, right? Uh, mm. Everything's frightened of me. The moon's frightened of me. The whole world's frightened to death. What What is the world frightened of? They're frightened of the thing that they cannot explain, the thing that they cannot see. I wish the film would have leaned into that aspect just a bit more um, because – That is a fascinating aspect to me, at least. Mm, Um, We don't need, again, we don't need like long explanations about how this happened. I want to see the implications in the world around even more, uh, why people are afraid. Uh, That would be cool to me. What about you?
1: Yeah, mine was uh, by The Invisible Man. He's talking to Dr. Kemp. And he says, uh, we'll begin with a reign of terror, a few murders here and there, murders of great men, murders of little men. Well, just don't want, just want to show we make no distinction. I might even wreck a train or two, just these fingers around a signal man's throat. That's all. Mm. I really liked his plan (laughs) (laughs) in terms of like, his whole idea was to throw everything in the complete chaos by not discriminating in who he kills. Um, and just very strategic. I don't think it ever would have ever worked out the way he wanted it to. Mm -hmm. But I, I just thought like his whole plan was was like, Oh, that's not like completely ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Cause after he said great men, I was like, Oh, he's just going to go after like, you know, big hitters, but then he said little men, which means you throw everyone.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Um, a little bit of Thanos there, Thanos, Thanos. Uh-oh. Sorry, mm. Thanos. The, most
1: re- the most relatable character in all of the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: a little bit of Joker there as well, as you mentioned Ooh. before. I like that, Alex. Yes. What about your can't believe that acting award?
1: I'm gonna give it to Claude. I have to give it to Claude Rains as the Invisible Man. I mean, I gave him props at the beginning for being my favorite performance of the monsters yet, and that's saying something. That is because the other the others are pretty great. Um, but mm-hmm. I just found him much more, I don't even want to say interesting necessarily, but he really captivated me even more so than the others. Mm. Um, which, is, which I, I just, I'm just so impressed by And And most of it's voice acting. Again, that's not something that's easy. No. And so the fact that he was really able to do that while voice acting and sell me on it, you know, yes, he stumbled a little bit, but I got to give him the props. Like he really sells the, the craziness and the also when he's normal, like you said, he just kind of sells these two different almost personalities that he has.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently Claude Rains in his initial screen test was also just pretty terrible. Uh, <laughs> this oh. was yeah, this was his second film. He had a small part in another film. So this was his first major film. He was a stage actor and a very talented stage actor, but he didn't quite know how to adapt to the screen Um, until he was given, by the director James Whale, was given a couple different films to kind of study and to kind of figure out how to play this role. He studied these films and then knocked it out of the park. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. Claude Rains is awesome. But my Can't Believe That Acting Award goes to Una O'Connor, your favorite as Mrs. Hall, Alex. I mean, when we talk about can't believe that acting, we're talking about someone that we will remember. And I think you already are going to remember the annoying and exaggerated Mrs. Hall performance. I
1: started blocking it out, and then you've resurfaced my trauma. (laughs) Uh,
0: You know, H.G. Wells, who (laughs) had to give approval for the script, also... Loved her performance as well, saying it was a standout. It definitely was a standout. Wow, Alex, you just Uh, made
1: me hate HG Wells. That's (laughs) impressive.
0: (laughs) No, I think I think she is funny, not in a like trying to be funny sort of way. I mean, the character is not trying to be funny, but she is funny in her performance and how over the top she becomes at the smallest thing. (laughs) Like uh, when her husband has been attacked and she's screaming at him, like after she's been calm and then she just like looks at him again and starts screaming. Um, It's over the top. It's ridiculous. Uh, But that's part of the tone of this movie, part of that Mm -hmm. absurdity in this movie. Uh, So I I liked Una O'Connor for her annoying and exaggerated character. Oof.
1: Okay. (laughs) What about your, oh, that's a good shot award?
0: There are a lot of great effects um, in this film that I could have given this to potentially. Uh, But there's there's a shot at the beginning when Griffin is framed right in the middle of the shot and he looks out of the window when he gets to his room Uh, at the end for the first time he pulls the curtains across it was just this frame where we see uh his full potty there looking out the window and it's so isolating and lonely feeling um i just really liked it um in the way that that was done it's a calm shot compared to (laughs) some of the chaos that we get in the rest of this movie uh so that one definitely stood out to me but what about you
1: mine's uh, mine's another one with the uh, with the invisible man or Jack Griffin where it's actually the first time we see him when he walks through that front door mm. and we get that low shot of him that's mm. uh pretty close up and the the lighting on it's perfect. He's immediately intimidating, um, even with that big fake nose <laughs> that he's yeah. got. Yeah. And I just love the lighting in that frame. It's awesome. Oh yeah.
0: No, it's that one stood out to me too. I was like can I really choose the very first shot? You definitely can.
1: <laughs> you definitely can. <laughs> or the yeah.
0: very first. Well, those are some long shots of him in the snow there, but like the very first close up right. of him as a character. Um, pretty awesome. Uh, what about unique awards, Alex? Um, did you have a unique award this week?
1: Yeah, this award goes to uh, the Invisible Man for uh, Most Tasteful Streaker Award. <laughs> um, this man did a lot of run around naked. I mean... He was was flopping everywhere and no, no one really got offended by it. So good for him.
0: Yeah. There, there, there are some pretty subtle jokes about it in uh, the novel and in this one, right? (laughs) Um, There are some pretty (laughs) subtle jokes about it. Uh, My unique award, Alex, is an award I could have probably given out any of the the last three weeks. It's the most out of context line for 2022. Ooh. And it's the first spoken line of the movie, Alex. And it's, okay. uh, did you hear about Mrs. Mason's little Willie? That's it.
1: <laughs> I love it. Now, were they talking about, uh, the invisible man or? I don't know. I don't know.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
0: All right, Alex, final thoughts and tiered rating. Um, where does this fall in our tier system? Is it Godzilla, Gamma, or Gabra?
1: Yeah, so I'm pretty high on this one, I gotta say. Um, even though I do have some problems with the character that you liked for some ungodly reason, uh, Uno Connor's Miss Hall, I really, she grated on me in a not funny way. But other than that, and a few slapstick moments with the Invisible Man, I... Um, this really hit all the marks for me. Like we finally got an ending. I was very surprised at all the focus on the Invisible Man. I was surprised by how often the effects were used, how playful they were, and how impressive they were. Uh, just the, the pure creativity of this, and uh, I'm really, ha- I'm really happy with this one. And even though for whatever reason this character is not as legendary as the last three that we've seen. Uh, i got to give them props, and this is going to be my first, for sure, Godzilla-tier movie. Mm.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> I, I'm glad you liked it that much. I liked it a whole lot, too, um, and I'm, I'm borderline right now. I, I'll Ooh. tell you, I like the absurd moments. I like the blend of the horror and the comedy A couple things didn't quite click into place for me because I don't think that the invisible man is as sympathetic a character as he could be. I liked your idea. I didn't think of this idea, but I liked your idea of showing maybe a flashback to when he wasn't invisible um, and he was a better person as well, Mm -hmm. Um, because that definitely kind of like the mummy last week that definitely could have helped him out. Uh yes. right. It could have helped out his sympathy. We could have felt something more for him uh, if we saw that flashback. I also think this idea of descending into madness because of a scientific experiment is something we're gonna see again for sure, Alex. But it's nothing that's super original, right? We no. saw this in Frankenstein. So it's not like a super original idea. I don't think, though, I so I'm not as concerned about the idea, but I'm more concerned about the implications and the exposition surrounding that idea. That's why another reason I just am not a fan of giving us a drawn out explanation as for how he becomes invisible. We can say an experiment gone wrong, um, and and that's good enough, right? Uh, And it's turned him mad and insane. Even if you want to, if you don't even want to say that, we can just leave that open and let us draw our own conclusions. The other thing that I think this film could have done just to, to bump it up a little bit for me is it could have added a, another lead. I like the fact that the invisible man is our lead character, but if the invisible man had a foil that did a bit more, you could, you could argue that Flora is uh, Griffin's foil in this film, but I don't think Flora is involved enough to really be given that role. Um, if we had a character that could push up against the invisible man and kind of be the hero of this film that potentially could have helped as well because of the fact that he's not sympathetic. So yep. I'm, I'm sounding down on this film based off those last couple of points, but I also really was impressed by the effects I was I like the slap t- slapstick comedy and I also think some of the moments are pretty terrifying not in a horror movie sort of way like a uh, I don't know supernatural horror movie sort of way but more in a thriller almost slasher sort of way right Yeah. Uh, so I did like this this is a top tier gamma film for me Oh
1: ah, okay all right cool yeah. Uh, so, Eric, uh-huh. I think next time we watch the Bride of Frankenstein,
0: mm.
1: will she also commit crimes or go to the beach and sip on a lime?
0: <laughs> uh, that would be an interesting movie, Alex. If we saw <laughs> the Bride of Frankenstein on a beach, so uh, mine is: Will Frankenstein's Bride hit its stride? By leaving us teary-eyed, or will she make us terrified? Ooh, I can't we'll wait for the next one on MVM next week. Yeah. <laughs> As always, thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. We want to hear from you. Email us at mvmpod at gmail.com or go to nvmpod.com to leave us your feedback on our ratings of The Invisible Man. Am I harsh on The Invisible Man by giving it a gamma tiered rating? Um, what do you think? Send us your thoughts at mvmpod at gmail.com. Uh, we'll read them on the show like we did today. You can also follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at mvm underscore pod. You can become a bargain basemite at patreon.com forward slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews, and host chats. And if you can't help monetarily at this time, a review on your favorite podcasting platform always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Basir and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, Comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which forms Cell Block B, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week, don't...
1: Let a group of men encircle you while you're naked.
0: And try Try to to stay stay alive. alive.
1: Mafia, wake up, wake up,
0: wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. I love Chris Deggle. No joke. That that was so bad. Like, there was no joke there.